Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's such a pleasure today to be here with Jim Rainey, enterprise reporter for the LA Times. He's been on a team that has won three Pulitzer Prizes and has talked about and written about so many of the the largest stories in California and the country, you know, the last several decades. And so I love talking to journalists. This is going to be one of my favorite conversations. Uh, Jim Rainey, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really good uh, coming to you here from beautiful South Pasadena, California. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. I also, we must be crazy, right? I also like talking to journalists and we all know that journalists are the root of all evil in our country, right? I mean, there must be something wrong with us that we like each other. So anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of us know how to just tell the truth and the facts, you know, so. <laughs> um, we're, all, we're all, we're just all bent on the destruction of uh, the U.S. and the world. But anyway, here we are. So we can't help ourselves. Right? Well, Jim, I have uh, read your byline over the years uh, quite a bit, and we had the opportunity to meet last week and we met because sort of the news of last week and going to be newsworthy going forward as we all try to figure out what's next was the filing of bankruptcy by ampersand publishing LLC, the, the yep. parent company of the Santa Barbara news press. And yep. you have been covering the news press for decades starting with what's known as the meltdown and you were here last week and you were reporting on all of this and so I want to start off right away on that topic I yep. just want to ask you what are your thoughts on the ending the demise of the Santa Barbara News Press as a journalistic institution and then if you could just talk a little bit about what it was like to to report that story and you have this big LA Times yeah. on Sunday yeah, yeah. And if people just to put a little plug in, if you anybody up there still gets the print LA Times, uh, the story's in print today on Monday. So oh, okay. Monday. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was online uh much earlier. Uh yeah, I, I I mean I'm very I'm really saddened by what's happened to the news press. And it's it's both like an echo and reflection of things that have been happening, obviously, in the wider news newspaper industry where we've had this secular meltdown that's been going on, you know, for about the length of time uh, that Wendy McCaw owned the news press for a, roughly since 2000, uh, even into the 90s, the, the advertising market was getting rough on legacy newspapers. But the news press, I mean, I think everyone agrees was a special case and there was a, an especially toxic and unfortunate relationship between Wendy McCaw many of her staffers over the years, and then many people in the community who just grew fed up with, uh, you know, we, we all know Santa Barbara's uh, mostly politically a liberal town um, and a liberal county, although like like every liberal place in America, it has big pockets of conservatism, um, even as we do here in L.A. So I, I'm no doubt there are some people in Santa Barbara who are saddened by uh, the loss of Wendy McCaw's voice, her conservative, her libertarian voice. I, I have to say, I didn't find those people when I came up there last week. And I talked to a lot of journalists. I did a lot of, uh, you know, Vox Popoli, a lot of man on the street, woman on the street interviews. And I honestly uh, 
didn't get anyone saying, oh, my gosh, uh, we're going to miss that conservative voice and that kind of, uh, yeah, off the wall voice that the news press could sometimes be. So I was, uh, you know, personally saddened by it because I'm a news person. I love newspapers. Uh, obviously, you know, our future is all online, as you know, from being a news hawk. And uh, yeah, so on that level, I think it was sad. I, I think, unfortunately, too, I feel really badly for the handful of folks who still work there. And frankly, for past employees who we know there's a National Labor Relations Board finding against Wendy McCaw. I found out from the NLRB that the amount she owes or her company owes, to be more precise, is now up to $3.4 million. Uh, I think this bankruptcy is a clear indication she and her company have no intention of paying that money. And then the folks who left, I don't know if there's going to be any money for them, who just were let go uh, last week. I and, and I really particularly feel badly for those people. It's hard enough to lose a job, but if you don't get money that uh, you're entitled to, uh, that can be difficult. And, and it appears some of these folks aren't going to get paid. So, I mean, I, there's a lot of different aspects of this I could go into, but that's kind of my overall reaction is just, yeah, I'm saddened. And uh, I just think it's unfortunate, even you being at Newshawk, I think, you agree, the folks at The Independent agree that it's better when you have more reporters, more boots on the ground, as they say, because these are people who are out there looking at public records, going to meetings, going to the courtroom and finding out what's happening in criminal and civil cases. There's just, yeah, we could go on about how important the press is. It's in the First Amendment, right? Uh, so, yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't want to go on forever, but in summary, yeah, I'm very saddened uh, that the news press is no more because I think if you have an outlet, there's always the potential it can do good. Uh, arguably, uh, a lot of folks don't think the news press was doing a lot of good in in recent years, but still there was the potential there as long as it existed or perhaps if it could have been sold, which looks like it's not happening, that you'd get a new owner and maybe a new in injection of energy. And, and now it looks like that's just not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, after the stories came out, you know, I was interviewed by radio and, you know, you and others, and they yeah. kept asking me a question of what does this mean for journalism in Santa Barbara? And so mm -hmm. it's a tough question to answer because the honest answer is not much because they yeah. Doing the kind of journalism that they were doing 15, 20, even even five years ago, you know. Yeah. So, so what's different as far as what's reported on? Not a whole lot. We already have our our. We've already seen the demise, right? And right. So, so it's a tough thing. On the other hand, what is missing is you know this great name, right? This downtown building, this yeah. the, this paper that used to be the center of the the community. Yep. yep. And you yep. covered it back in 2006 when Jerry yep. Roberts resigned and the others resigned on that, that July 6th day. Yeah. So let me just ask you the question. Okay. And you reported on that, right? So, yeah. so I know it's always best to have another outlet, but from your reporting and talking to journalists and talking to people and, and, and your, your observation of this community, right. Um, you know, what, what does it mean to say that, we don't have the Santa Barbara news press itself anymore in this community for people who 
just like don't care yeah. about history. Like who can like they don't like whatever. That was so long. Yeah. Ago. They just want yeah. to know about their community. What does it mean? Yeah. Well, what it means, I mean, I think you're exactly right what you referenced before. I think it was so diminished by the time it closed this month that it, there aren't a lot of people, maybe there are, and you know, they can they're free to reach out to me <laughs> and to you, uh, those who were honestly gonna miss some aspect of what the news press was reduced to. I think you're audience probably knows it was online only. And even the online edition was very paltry. And um, so in that sense, not a lot is missed. But what is in the larger sense missed, I think, is just, again, that we need more reporters, not fewer in a democracy. I think that whether you're left, right, center, politically in orientation, I think most people would agree that more information, if it's if it's at least rendered with goodwill and people out there honestly trying to get to their version of the truth, I think more is always better. And with the demise of the news press, it was a slow burn, right? But it, you know, maybe you could have had the funeral five years ago, but it means that there are, few, I think what I said in my story, and nobody is refuted, there are fewer journalists in Santa Barbara now than there were at the peak of the news press. And somehow what would be a really good thing for Santa Barbara and thankfully, uh, frankly, for Los Angeles, for every other community in America, is to find a way to fund journalism. It doesn't have to be in print. In fact, print, we all know, is just very hard to make it pay, but uh, to make it make money. But uh, we need to find a way, whether it's through the, you know, the public kind of radio model of, of uh, nonprofit and kind of uh, subscription based foundation supported or, you know, for profit uh, places like the independent, like Newshawk. Uh, you know, I, I think the hope of your owners at Newshawk, no doubt, and the folks at the independent is, OK, well, now there's. There already was a gap because of the retreat of the news press, but now it's more obvious. Are there things we can do to fill even more, fill in the void? Maybe some of those folks who still somehow held on to the news press are going to look to us more to, as readers. Um, you know, they do have their archive, incredibly valuable thing to the community, the archive of the new news press. They have their presses, too. Uh, you folks at Newshawk don't need them, but the independent, theoretically, could they get a deal? Uh, I don't know that Wendy McCall wants to send, <laughs> sell her presses to the independent, which just dubbed her what the concrete blonde. Um, so, I, yeah, but there are assets there and there is perhaps an opening in the public consciousness to become even more aware now. Hey. This thing we call journalism is kind of slipping away. And if and if we didn't notice before, this is a dramatic event, even though totally agree with what you said before, that the institution itself was so diminished that practically speaking right now today, it's not like there are stories missing in all likelihood because the news press went away. But hopefully there's an opportunity for maybe even a new entity. I, I think it's more likely that Newshawk, the independent, Ed Hat, the folks that are already operating in the community, hopefully step up and do even more. Um, maybe, you know, there's going to be money available, believe it or not. Folks who don't know it through the state of California, they're going to be funding some 
uh, journalism fellows to go into communities that are underreported, and maybe one or two reporting positions could be funded through that California State Initiative. So I'm just throwing a lot of stuff out here that, you know, trying to be glass half full. Maybe this is an opportunity to um, to expand news coverage in Santa Barbara. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, really, really good analysis. Let's step away from the news press and Santa Barbara and talk about the industry. Yeah. So one, you know, one of my side gigs, a lot of us veteran journalists, you know, we teach part time at you know, at journalism at various places. And yeah, one of my side yeah. gigs is uh, teaching journalism at Santa Barbara City College, Cal State Northridge. Yeah. And I want to talk about the future. Okay, so we know that journalism is uh, changing, has been changing. We know that advertising revenue has been declining. All newspapers are shrinking. One of the things that I've noticed very dramatically in sort of like the last five years is that a lot of young people uh, want to be journalists, but that kind of idea of what a journalist is has changed. It's yep. it's not the watchdog, city hall, government, investigative journalist right. anymore. And right. I have to tell you, it's very rare for me to meet someone who's in journalism school at the places that I'm at who wants to do that. They want to yeah. be a sports reporter, right? Maybe they want to right. go into TV uh, right. or into public relations, and yeah. a lot of my colleagues and peers, including those who I worked with at the news press, went into PR because you can often yeah. make more money in, in yeah. PR. And so one of the one of the challenges that I see, and I want your sort of talk a little bit about this, is how do we maintain and elevate the stature of what journalists do in a in a country and in a nation that is increasingly polarized politically where you had a president for four years and you know still uh he's not president anymore just constantly berating the power of the press and yeah. uh, the importance yeah. of the institution yeah. how do yeah. we keep journalism in the eyes of the community as being truth tellers and you know important and fundamental to our to our democracy. And yeah. I just, what do you, yeah. what do you think? How do we do that? Yeah. I mean, it's a huge, huge challenge for us because you're right. Um, and it's kind of a, uh, unfortunately would led by the former president, but not, you know, let's be honest, this has been out in the ether <laughs> out in the, in the population for decades. Um, the, our lead political reporter at the LA times, Mark Baraback told a story about being at a Republican convention in the 1980s, the George Bush, the elder convention, I think it was in New Orleans. And uh, the entire uh, uh, arena of, you know, I think close to 20,000 people at some point urged on by, I forget who the speaker was, turned on the little group of reporters there, maybe 50 reporters, wagging their fingers and shouting, tell the truth tell the truth. So people have been fed this line that uh, people are lying and that it's terrible. So to answer your question, first of all, I think what the kind of thing you're doing right here um, and your audience, they wouldn't be watching if they didn't already think this. But, you know, my experience in coming up to Santa Barbara reporting this story was uh, everybody loves Josh Molina. Uh, you know, Josh is just uh, very, uh, very well respected in the community. So everybody who's watching this, if you don't already know any party do, it's really, uh, you know, value the journalists you have. But I think 
we have to earn that too. And I think you've earned it in a lot of ways. I try to earn it by, by just being straight up with people and just telling them things like, for instance, don't pretend uh, journalists aren't uh, culturally liberal. Like I, I acknowledge all the time to people that, you know, in terms of the social issues, um, you know, things like abortion rights, there are more people in, in most newsrooms like ours who are pro-abortion rights than are anti-abortion. It's just a fact. Um, so don't try to be truthful. And then when you deal with people on stories, try to be really transparent about what's happening. I think it's up to a, us individually. Uh, and then we do have to tell our stories, like things like you're doing here with this podcast. We have to tell how did we pursue the story. We can talk about that a little bit in a minute on the news press story. I just want to mention for the LA Times, I met uh, or someone emailed me about my story and and they were politically conservative and they were defending Wendy McCaw. But mainly it was like, you liberal such and such. And I just I, I cited three stories to them, which were just off the top of my head that the L.A. Times has done in the last couple of years. The L.A. Times did a huge expose on the uh, staff gynecologist at USC who multiple uh, sexual assaults against young women. Um if the LA Times doesn't write that story, that doctor, Dr. Tyndall, could still be there sexually assaulting young women. Um, that is not a left or right issue. That is an issue of right and wrong. That's the LA Times. That's the crazy liberal LA Times. Uh, in the same way, uh, some great reporting colleagues of mine, Pulitzer Prize winner uh, Harriet Ryan uh, and, and a guy named Matt Hamilton have done this uh series on a top lawyer here in LA, Tom Girardi, huge successful lawyer, you know, making mega million dollar uh, legal victories. And they found out that, you know, he had done uh, some inappropriate behavior and misbilled clients. Um, they basically, and he's married to uh, one of these reality TV starlets too. And they did these amazing stories telling the truth about him. And more importantly, on a, on a societal level, telling how this very powerful multimillionaire had gotten away with it until the LA Times called him on it while small-time attorneys were getting hammered by the State Bar Association. So I could go on, but I don't want to take up your whole show. But what I'm saying is the people who criticize us, well, I'm going to do one more quick one, the LA City Council audio tape oh. of the racist and corrupt even comments made by our city council members in LA, by the way, every single one of whom is a Democrat, not a Republican, they're Democrats. They got hammered by my newspaper. And uh, these are all examples. They're not left, right. They're not, you know, you crazy liberals. It's just like, why don't you read what we actually do? And, and, you know, in the case we could go into the McCall story on this. It's not left or right. It's like right or wrong. Like it's someone running a news organization the way news organizations tend to be run and to get integrity. And so I just had to get on my high horse for a second that it, it infuriates me to hear people uh, belittling what we do, accusing us of being like un-American or, you know, we're all we're all patriots. We all want the best for our country, uh, for the world. And this idea that, you know, we're back here rubbing our hands together 
<laughs> thinking of ways to ruin America. It's it's just like so absurd. And it's just it's so most people should be smart enough to take a breath and go, oh, yeah, that's not these are human beings who are, you know, the Josh Molinas of the world, the uh, the Nick Welches of the world, the, you know, the, the guy, the great voice at the Santa Barbara Independent. I mean, these are valuable. You are valuable members of our community. So anyway, I had to get worked up for a second. This, <laughs> I just think people are so off base on this. And usually when I talk to them, I try to stay a little calmer than that. And I kind of go through that. They go, oh, well, okay. You know, you seem all right, but the rest of them, right <laughs> the rest of them are terrible your colleagues are crazy i'm like they're really not yeah. anyway yeah so yeah yeah it's i appreciate i appreciate all those all those comments and about all journalists you know you know nick welsh incredible journalist as well yeah. Uh, yeah you know and it's it's interesting because a lot of the conservatives will say things like you just said like oh well well you're different, Josh, or, oh, that story's different, or, or they must have had to write about that story, you know, as though right. we're in the back room sort of conspiring. But honest to God, I have never, ever interacted in a newsroom or with whether locally, San Diego, San Jose, the barrier, where any journalists right. were conspiring in a liberal manner to right. report news right. in a way that favors or hurts anyone else. It just does not happen. It's all about... Right. Right or wrong, you know, like, is this right. the thing? Is there conflict? If so, what is the conflict and how do we explain the conflict? And right. that's where it starts, regardless of what side yep. the conflict yep. people are on. Yep. I think a lot of it has to do with television and, you know, uh, media literacy and people watch these shows at night and think yeah. that's journalism and they yeah. don't understand that journalism starts, you know, you've been up early in the morning, that journalists on the ground talking to their community that's hard work you know yeah so yeah so, absolutely i totally totally agree with you yeah. well said so 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 that that's part of it too um we look at the la times right and i love the la times i i use it in my classes all the time you know from the stories to the the visual journalism and you know just you know the photography is incredible yeah, yeah, but you know, you're you're like a, you're you're one of the greatest papers, you know, in the country, right? You're right up there, New York Times, Washington Post, all that stuff. And so, right. can you talk a little bit about what it's like for you to sort of make it in this industry and survive this long at a time yeah. we've seen yeah. the retrenching of the the industry? Yeah. You have an yeah. incredible reputation, and yeah. and we know how many journalists do you know who are amazing who who got laid yeah. off and didn't make it, you know? So can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I, I really appreciate it. And I feel like uh, I was so blessed to get into this business starting in the 1980s, started in the early eighties after I graduated from Berkeley, that liberal, crazy liberal institution. <laughs> I was a sport. I was a sports guy though. Right. I was just a dorky sports guy. So I couldn't be that crazy liberal. But uh, no, I feel incredibly fortunate because at the time I started, you know, quite a bit before you, but you still came in when the business still kind of humming a little bit. Um, but there was a lot of money in the business. We essentially had monopolies are cool, right? And we had somewhat of a monopoly on local news. I mean, there was TV and radio, but the interwebs hadn't been invented. And I worked at a little paper after Berkeley up in Contra Costa County 
tiny paper, but it allowed me to write about everything. Then I got a break and got to the LA Times uh, at a young age for sort of a glorified internship. Worked at the South Bay Daily Breeze in Torrance. Um, and then I, most of my career has been at the LA Times. I did leave for a while uh, about 10 years ago. I went to, nine years ago, I went to Variety. I covered the film business. And then I went to NBC News. That's my quick. So no, I feel incredibly uh, fortunate to have been in this business when I was, when frankly, print journalism, uh, you know, was just printing money. I mean, the LA Times was once a billion with a B dollar a year revenue business, not profit. The profit, though, I believe was as high as close to 200 million. I think at the peak of the paper, oh. I don't quote me on that figure, but it was it was a hugely uh, profitable business. And we had 40 foreign bureaus. Uh, I started in an era where we had a full staff of close to 100 in the San Fernando Valley. There are very few papers, standalone papers in the whole country that have 100 journalists anymore. We had 100, close to 100 in Orange County. I could go on, but it, it's, I feel incredibly fortunate that I was at that thing and I've been able to ride it out knock on wood fairly successfully as folks your your audience probably knows unfortunately the la times uh just in the last month or so we've we've had a round of layoffs and we we uh lost a lot of really really talented people and it was very unfortunate um we still though as my buddy steve lopez our star uh metro columnist likes to say we're still the biggest news outlet not west of the Mississippi, west of the Potomac. So other than the <laughs> Washington Post, New York Times, um, I believe we're number three. Um, and now they're quite a bit bigger. The New York Times has got more than 2,000 editorial employees. We've got about 500. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're in a different game than we are. And the Post has a lot too. So uh, anyway, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I just feel like I was in the kind of golden era and trying to i'm in my 60s i'd like to do this yeah i'm i love what i'm doing i'd love to do it for roughly 10 more years anyway uh we'll see if the news gods <laughs> allow that i don't know if it's going to happen but uh just getting to do stories like the one on the news press i feel like what it's a privilege to to be able to write about uh something important like that something that's meaningful to people and to, you know, have a few days, I didn't have a ton of time, but I had maybe four days, I guess, to work on that story. So that's a lot more, you know, folks like Josh are the real guys keeping the news alive is, you know, just writing constantly. And um, yeah, it's hard work. It's really, that's the other thing that I wish people would realize is this is not like people just lying around eating bonbons and like we're we're grinding it, right, Josh? I mean, this is like you work long out. I and I'm not complaining. I I love it, but it's it's tiring work, and we we work hard to try and get things right. We really do. It is incredibly difficult work, and you know, I wish people would understand that it it takes yeah. time to to verify things and find people. You know, you start with nothing at the beginning of the day, and at the end of the day. You've, the whole painting and it takes yeah time yeah that. Um, yeah totally let's i want to geek out a little bit with you on your stories yeah, let's, uh, no, let's journalism you know yeah uh, and and 
So you covered the riots, right? You've covered wildfires. You've covered yeah. three major story probably in California. Um, yeah. I'm interested. Tell me about your most memorable stories and and, and why, right? Like which oh one going to be thinking about at the very end? You know, like wow, yeah. I can't believe I did that. You know? Yeah. Oh my God, it's so hard to pick one. I get asked this. I'm sure you get asked this. Um. One of my most memorable experiences was I'd never gotten to be a reporter overseas, but now quite a while ago, 2006, I went to Iraq for a month and worked out of our bureau in Baghdad, which was, everybody said, well, you're probably in the green zone because they wanted to think, yeah, it's again, anything to discredit a reporter. Like you probably were, and I, I, I want to make clear even though I was, we were in the red zone, you know, we were in the main city of Baghdad. There was a blast wall around our hotel, which by the way, a month or two before I got there, the, uh, some of the insurgents tried, well, did blow the wall up and blew every window in the hotel out. <laughs> so right. it, wasn't exa- it wasn't exactly safe, but I want to make clear, I was never a, um, I was in Baghdad and some surrounding areas reporting it was, yeah, everything was dangerous over there, but I was never under live fire. I, a couple of people waved guns at me in a not nice manner, <laughs> but I spent a month in Baghdad. And the re- reason that's important is not because like I'm particularly brave. I'm not, but because uh, the thing I want to convey about that is that uh, the most rewarding thing about that was meeting the Iraqi people and uh just hearing about the struggles they'd been through in the war and the U.S. occupation. And uh, we had a staff, quite a big staff of um, translators, reporters. We even had a cook in our bureau. Uh, And these were just the greatest people. Um, They were so uh, smart and, and kind. And they were saying, you know, I, when I'd go out in the city to do interviews, there were people believe me as a blue eyed waspy white dude you know i grew a beard to try and fit in and the guys would laugh my bodyguards would laugh like oh yeah you look kind of kurdish and then they laugh hysterically (laughs) you know like like there's no freaking way you're gonna pass but uh but these guys had my back i mean we would go out a couple times i went to the market to buy little just snacks and stuff and these guys had their guns, you know, and and the people, not only the people in the store, but the guy behind the counter did not look like they're happy to see you. So those people were so uh, amazing and really um, protected American journalists uh, and risked their own life to do it because to be helping Americans in that environment, where obviously there was a lot of, some people liked America, there was a lot of hatred of America, though, and they were risking their lives to be seen with us. In fact, one of the things when we went in, we'd go into the green zone to do cover press conferences. And one of my translators would always just say, I would often stand in front of him or we'd position him so he couldn't possibly be on camera because there are a lot of TV cameras around. Anyway, bringing that one up as a, as a really favorite experience. I also covered a lot of presidential campaigns that, I like to talk just quickly. Uh, one of my all-time favorites was uh, John McCain's mother, not John McCain, who was an amusing character as well as were are a lot of them. But I ended up kind of striking up this friendship with John McCain's mother, who was a ninety 
think when I first met her, she was only 98. And the woman was just a scream. And I got these really funny interviews with her, which became the subject of a couple stories, which got a nice response. She ended up living to 108. And just a glimpse of this woman, she was pulled over uh, driving in Phoenix, I think her Mercedes, going 110 miles an hour. And she was close to 100 years old. <laughs> so those of you out there who actually kind of liked John McCain or liked his spirit anyway, you know, he was the son of ad, an admiral. But uh, I'm telling you, the mother, Roberta McCain, what a trip. That woman. Uh, and, you know, there were bigger, more important people I met. But uh, it's often I'm sure you've experienced this, Josh. It's often like the side character or the one who's not maybe the center, you know, her son was the center of what we were doing, but I just, it was so fun to, uh, to get to meet her and, and, you know, it kind of felt like we became, you know, like friends. We, we weren't really friends, but friendly acquaintances. And that was, so, yeah, I've got some others, but those are two I'll throw out there that were really uh, highlights for me. Can you encapsulate, what it is about journalism that makes you want to do it to, you know, you're in your sixties now you want to do it yeah. another 10 years yeah. because, you know, as, as, as we know, as you get older, you meet other people in your, their careers. And, you know, there's yeah. 25 year olds, you know, who are multimillionaires, you know, working sort of in the tech industry or yeah. there's former journalists who've gone into PR who are making, you know, 150, 200 grand or something yeah. a year yeah. and they're working a lot less than what we have to do as journalists. Yeah. Yeah. Can you sort of encapsulate what it is that that fire, that that gene, yeah. that thing that exists that that makes yeah. you want to hold on to this as long as you can? Yeah, totally. I I mean, people who have the bug like you obviously do, like our friend Nick Welch does, uh, Jerry Roberts. I mean, many of the folks who were written about in this. Um, I think what it is, is, um, yeah, it's just a passion for, frankly, getting to walk in a lot of different worlds. So last week, and I'm going to admit there was like a, <laughs> a side thing for me. I'm here in Pasadena where it's close to 100 degrees. And they're like, yeah, can you run up to Santa Barbara and write about, and I'm like, can I go to Santa Barbara? And like the LA Times will pay for me to go up there and hang out for, I wasn't quite hanging out because I was scrambling as Josh knows, but uh, but still I'm doing it in this environment where uh, it's a beautiful place. My, my mom is from Santa Barbara, so it's a place I love. Um, so there's everything from that um, and a story that I care a lot about, a community that I care a lot about, Santa Barbara, uh, to the last big story before that was um, a story that I worked on and off for years on about a, a former gang member from the east side of L.A. who's a you know, pretty tough young man and had 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 a lot of bad <laughs> things, had circumstances in his life and had pulled himself up, out, up out of this through Homeboy Industries, which some folks in the audience may know about, Father Greg Boyle uh, here in L.A., who's who's, you know, a living uh, a legend in L.A. And, you know, some folks, someone wrote in after my story that he should, you know, we should start working towards his sainthood uh, right now, not wait till he's uh, he's died. But the, I got to follow this young gangbanger from uh, Boyle Heights who, you know, what other, you know, 60-something white guy uh, gets to spend time from people from completely different worlds, the Iraqis, 
um, presidential candidates, just everyday people you meet, um, Roberta McCain, you know, uh, and you get to walk in all these different worlds. You get to learn about all sorts of different things that, you know, a lot of other people have really interesting jobs and do important things. But I think the thing about the kind of journalism I've done and I think Josh has done uh, is that we've gotten to cover lots and lots of different kinds of things. And I just feel really lucky that that's my experience. I'm this at the end of this week, I'm going back uh, to the East Coast with another formerly incarcerated young man who's doing some incredible things. I don't want to <laughs> spoiler alert. I don't want to <laughs> give away the story, but I, I think it's going to be a really interesting story. And I'm going to follow him around. He's actually going to one of the original prisons in America because he's really into prison reform. So we're going to go to this prison together back in Pennsylvania and do a lot of other what I think is going to be interesting stuff. So I, I, yeah, that's the root of it, I think, is you get to walk in other people's worlds and get to share their stories with the larger world. And like I found, for instance, this news press story, like people have been so appreciative. I've gotten really nice messages i've got some hate mail too which is, which is kind of par for the course right but that that's okay too i i try to respond to those people too as long as they're not like really over the top nutty i, I mean that's are they, are they conservatives or do they they blame the teamsters they, for killing the paper or what, what is yeah, their criticism they, they appear to be political conservatives who i'm guessing to didn't even really maybe read that much of the story but you know, it's again, it's that binary, oh, you're a crazy liberal. I've been told the LA Times is filled with crazy liberals, uh, you know, who do the kinds of things I talked about before, like, you know, writing tough stories about Democratic members of our city council. Anyway, yeah, I don't think they particularly tuned into the details of the story. It's just like, well, you're a crazy lib. Therefore, I'm just going to send you a nasty message. One, one of the guys... We had a little back and forth, and I listed some of those stories that I just mentioned to you. And he actually ended up, this has happened to me before, by the second or third message he sent me. And I told him, look, I can't get in the debate. He kind of said, okay, well, be cool. Good luck. You know, he <laughs> he calmed down. And I think he realized, and I, that happens often. If you engage people, they kind of say, no, we're not a cardboard cutout. We're actually human. <laughs> we actually can see there is another side to this and you know in the in the wendy mccaw story there is her side too which i think that's the great untold side of the story so far as what motivated this woman over these almost quarter century right to own this paper like what was going on with her what was in her head um i, I mean that's a story i know you'd like to tell i would like to tell nick welch uh, a lot of other journalists in your town uh, would like to tell so yeah yeah, and and to be clear, like every journalist has tried. So I mean, yes. it isn't as yeah. though no one has tried. You know, it's always met yes. with uh, no comment. You know, from either yes. her or representatives. But yes. like we like yeah. those are those are holes in our stories, and we feel bad about those. Those, yeah. those are not things where we're yeah. like, let's only talk to these people. It's like we want all those perspectives, and if we don't get them, regardless of why, we feel bad, you know. And I wish people yeah. understand that. Yeah. yeah, no. Josh and I were talking just before coming on to do this interview, and I said that you know I 
I emailed multiple people uh, who were connected in one way or another to Wendy McCall and said, hey, I'd really like to know the end. And I gave multiple questions that we were trying to answer. And uh, I believe that most people, when they go into this, uh, I think Ben Bradley, the famous editor of the Washington Post, used to call it the defensive crouch. (laughs) I think when most people go into the defensive crouch, it doesn't end up serving them well, because there are a lot of other people in this case in particular, you know, let's be honest. I mean, Wendy McCall is not a popular figure in Santa Barbara. Uh, She probably has a constituency. I don't, I have no idea how large it is. I haven't done any public opinion polling, but I tried to reach out. I did reach out to some of those people too, who've written for her and I just got zero response. So yeah, that's not good. I don't, it's better. And, and somewhere down the road here, we'll, I'm thinking somehow she's going to communicate. Like, I don't, she can't remain silent forever. Can she? <laughs> no, I don't, no. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, G- Jim, I want to, I am a journalist, so I do need to hit you with at least one hard hitting question in this hit, podcast. Hit, okay. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I grew up reading the News Press and the LA Times and uh, right. the, the sports section, the scoreboard. I can't even tell you how how yeah. much the hours over the years as a kid and even as an adult you spend just sort of looking at all the data and all the information on the box yeah. scores, right? Yeah. And uh, recently, the LA Times made the decision to stop doing this. And yeah, uh, I heard about that from people I know. Um, can you talk about, uh, you know, yeah. the decision? I know you don't speak for the paper in that regard, but you yeah. know, so what, yeah. what do you think of, you know, that and yeah. and what's the reaction that you've gotten from doing that? Yeah, uh, people are pissed. Sure. <laughs> um, that's the reaction. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really unfortunate situation that's happened with uh, or maybe really unfortunate. It's not the best description, but people miss their box scores. They miss. Um, frankly, there are a lot of us who go to the box score first and wanted to, like, I often, I'm obsessed with, uh, LeBron James's three point shooting. Like when he's shooting the three, well, which frankly, isn't often enough. Um, (laughs) yeah. And so I would often go to the Laker box score before reading the story and just go, what did LeBron shoot last night? And especially if they lost often, he had a bad night, but want to say, I love LeBron. Great. We love LeBron here in LA, but I, you know, stuff like that or, or, you know, what's Clayton Kershaw's ERA right now? You know, um, I, you know, he's out injured right now, but um, a lot of those things that you can get instantly with a box score. Um, now you can go online and find this information still, but we all know that those of us who are still print readers too had a ritual with the paper. And yeah. often for sports fans, I know multiple, especially older folks who their first thing was, I like to go to the sports first. I like to go to the box scores first. And so what happened in short was like all media outlets that I know of, we're trying to save money because we're not in a huge growth industry. And one of the ways to save money management determined was to close down our printing operation. Uh, We have presses right here in downtown LA that are closed. I assume we're sold. I don't know the details of that. But we're now being printed by a contract printer in Riverside, California. And to get the paper printed, 
early enough to get it to people who live as far away, in some cases, as Santa Barbara, you got to print that thing really early, which means really early deadlines. The first story I wrote about the news press, my print deadline was in the afternoon instead of being at seven, eight, nine, even 10 o'clock at night, like maybe it would have been back in the day. And I actually took some, pardon the expression, shit over that story because I didn't have some of the details in there. And I was also trying to get to Santa Barbara. So not to excuse, but to explain to readers, uh, earlier deadlines means less news. The deadlines are so early that most like Dodger or Laker games haven't even started when the paper's being printed. So we can't have in next day results. Now, some folks, I think, would probably say, hey, I'll even take the box score a day late. Like, give it to me a day late. I'd still look at it. I don't know if they're reconsidering any of this. They did already start. They uh, didn't have the TV listings or the um, schedules for the home, like for the Lakers, Dodgers, Kings, uh, who else? The two football or uh, soccer teams, LAFC and Galaxy. Those are all back in the paper now, which I think was a really good move. Because I know a lot of a lot of us old folks, again, we get up, look at the print paper. Oh, the Dodgers are playing tonight or, you know, oh, the Women's World Cup, the U.S. is playing tonight. So it's been partly remedied. It was all and I don't think it was, frankly, explained as clearly as it could have been. It really was a production driven decision. Now, should we have sold the presses and done all that? Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get into that. I, yeah, I don't really understand completely the business decision there. I wish we still had all of that stuff in the print edition. They're trying to make the rest of the content good enough that people are still going to want to get it. But obviously we we've had cancellations, which is unfortunate uh, because we need all the readers we can get. So hopefully people will hang on uh, and we'll give them enough other good quality content that they'll still get the LA times. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's what happened yeah it's it's uh it's such a ritual these little things right yep. and people yep. read, that's the best thing about the newspapers the physical paper people read it for all different reasons and purposes yep. i know it's not the 1950s where you can like you know here you take the sports you take the features i'll take the right. day i know right. it's not around the kitchen table like that anymore right. i mean right. maybe for some people but not most but there's a certain thing you can find for yep. everybody. And of course, online, yes, it's all there, but it's kind of all there. Like everything's there. Yes. And so it's yes. just like you get lost. And yeah, you can get uh, lost. And people, people like the uh, whimsy of sometimes they open up, whether in sports or the A section, and they'd be on page 13. And oh, there's a story that I, had never heard of right next door. And I, oh, I'm going to end up reading about something I never thought of before. So I suppose that can happen online and does happen online too. There's just, obviously there are certain people, the print thing they're very attached to and, uh, but it's slowly going away or not so slowly it's going away. And so we'll have to see what the world looks like, you know, when a lot of print is going to be gone. Cause it's, it's obviously we're well on our way to that. So, yeah. yeah. So we have about eight minutes here and I want to wrap up here. Seven, eight minutes. I'm going to ask you questions is I know from our talks uh, off camera, you are involved in journalism education at at Berkeley. And I wanted to see if you could just talk a little bit about what that is and why for any young students who are watching this, you know, not like a recruitment thing, but just a 
like why journalism matters, you know, like, like, yeah. yes, you're not going to make as much money, probably, um, you know, yeah. unless you become a big shot like you at the LA Times. Most people don't get those opportunities. Um, yeah. But why, yeah. why, you know, why, why do it? Why does it still matter? You know? Good. Yeah. I mean, it still matters because, I mean, to get on the high horse aspect of it, it's because it's a key part of democracy. It's in the First Amendment. You know, there's a reason uh that it's in the First Amendment because of the importance of a press to a democracy. So there's all those important reasons. But as I was referring to before, it's just a kick in the pants. I mean, it's just fun to be a journalist. If you're talking about your student journalist, you get to go to the administration uh, there at, say, Santa Barbara City College and say, hey, what's up with this? Like, why did you change the schedule? Why did you build this new building that wasn't necessary or that is necessary and you haven't built a new lab, whatever it is, you get to question authority, hopefully in a somewhat respectful manner, but you get to uh, get answers to things that are of interest to you and your fellow citizens. And it's just, you feel really engaged and part of the world. And when you're a journalist, I think, and that's the best part of it. And, um, there used to be a thing under uh, Governor Jerry Brown when he was first governor as a young man and when he uh, didn't want to give raises to state employees, he would tell them that they were getting psychic pay, which undoubtedly some of them were like who had really interesting jobs. Uh, and, you know, of course, people are saying, well, psychic pay doesn't buy a loaf of bread. But I think in all honesty, Journalists do, we need to be paid better to pay our bills. Um, I'm fine. Like, I, I would like a raise, but I'll be okay. Um, but the psychic pay is key. I mean, I a lot of us could probably, as you referenced, go into PR or something. But there is a lot of psychic fulfillment, feeling part of the world, feeling energized and engaged. And, like, you can change things, make a difference. Uh, and not necessarily like change a law or something, but maybe just bring some knowledge to someone and uh, and connect with people, which is what being human is kind of all about. Right. So, uh, yeah, I just find it really you know, I get emotional talking about it because uh, it's just uh, because it is so challenged our business right now. And I feel I feel like. But there's still, I just want to stress to any of your young folks who might be listening to this, there's still going to be the folks who are going to make it. There's still going to be people who are going to, the New York Times isn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think the LA Times is going anywhere. The Washington Post, not going anywhere. Even though there are some folks politically, uh, including the former president who keeps talking about the dying New York Times. New York Times is doing just fine. They're making money. They're not going anywhere. And I know that's annoying to those who, they report on uh uh but yeah the, so those jobs are going to be out there and someone has to fill them and then there are jobs at places like Newshawk and the santa barbara independent which are also hugely important i don't want to like by talking about the big i don't want to slight uh local journalists there's a woman up in uh shasta county who i profiled her name's donnie chamberlain She's a hero up there covering a lot of crazy political activity, doing it all alone as a blogger. Uh, mm. She has a site called The News Cafe, A mm. News Cafe. Anyway, so journalism, it's great. And there are heroes doing it. And um, be a hero. <laughs> yeah. Keep doing it.
Well, Superman is a journalist, right? So bingo. Exactly. And and Peter Parker's a photographer, right? So yeah, um, there you go. Last last word, you have your, your big story on the news yeah. press in the LA yeah. Times today. It's available online. I'll give you the last word uh before we wrap up. And I just want to say thank you for you know this, yeah. this conversation and all the work that you do over the years and decades and just smart reporting incredible writing i appreciate yeah. that you know i can see how you turn a phrase a sentence use a verb and it's like wow that's amazing so um i appreciate all the work you do but give you the last word here um you know yeah. the, the, the end so of the news press and your story what do you want to tell people yeah well thank you so much for for doing this and josh honestly like uh i think josh was kind of like not hesitant but would, would you have time to do this and we don't, as journalists, because we're moving so fast, often we don't stop and talk about what we do. So when I have these opportunities to go to a class or do something like this, I, I really try to do them because it actually helps remind me of uh, how much I love what I do, how much I value it. And uh, so last word is because you mainly, I'm sure your audience is mainly in Santa Barbara, is uh, to folks in Santa Barbara, just support uh, the journalists who were there. Uh Josh, <laughs> starting with Josh and Newshawk, but you know Nick Welch is what a what a character that guy is. Uh, he said after my story, I called him irascible, and he said never been called irascible before. Thanks for that. Thanks for finally. <laughs> that guy is such a uh, a character. Uh, and really, folks in Santa Barbara uh, appreciate you know because it's so easy to take anyone for granted, uh, including like. Uh, person at checking you out at the uh at the grocery store but in particular journalists i think are just kind of like ah they're there they're kind of annoying at times and um but without journalists telling you what's going on at the county at the city council uh you know in business in sports um yeah you you our world's smaller without these people so yeah that's my thing to your listeners people watching is you know support josh <laughs> well lena seriously in any way you can take out ads uh if you're a business person at newshawk do whatever you can in terms of uh supporting these institutions because uh yeah without the public reading and doing everything they can financially and otherwise to support them, they'll go away just like the news press went away. And I don't, I don't want to live in that world where uh, you're not going to have journalists and journalism. Like I don't think any of us do who, when you really think about it, even folks who are down on the media, down on the press, if they really stop to think about it, no, we can't live in that world where, we have we already have a lot of misinformation. That's a whole other topic, right? A lot of disinformation, misinformation. So yeah, let's keep these good institutions like Newshawk, the Independent, Ed Hat. Like let's keep them all going. And um, that's my last word. Namaste. <laughs> all right, well, Jim Rainey. Uh, thank you. Uh, appreciate your time. Good luck to you. Good luck with your your story this week. And. Uh, Check out your, you know, encourage the audience to read your your big story in the LA Times today on the News Press. So have a great day. Thank you. Same to you, Josh. Have a good one. Talk to you again. Thank you. Bye. Bye.